0: Under your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners.
1: Hui. Listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour, back from New Orleans, thoroughly debauched. Alongside me this evening, as he is most Mondays, Troy. How you doing, good sir? Jamming. I'm jamming. This is your recommendation. I like this a lot. Yeah. Playful. Very funky. So, like I said, I feel the thoroughly debauched tonight. Yeah. Or not tonight. Today I feel normal, finally again. Because um, I won't uh, i won't hide too much. I'm, I have to admit I'm a little embarrassed with myself, especially for the end of... You know, i lost a lot of money. But, you know, that's part of the fun. Uh, but, no, it was more like a, how a bachelor party in New Orleans should be. It was kind of a two-day bender. But, I mean... It, it, most of the day was fine. And I thought I looked fantastic in my red dress. I've got a couple of questions
0: about that. Okay. What was it like in the red dress? Okay. Was it better than, say, pants?
1: Yeah. Actually, it was. Because it was a very hot, hot, humid day. Like oh. New Orleans is known for. A little swampy. A little swampy. And it drizzled some. Mm-hmm. It, the, the weather, the rain drizzled some. And... uh yeah, it, So once that rain came down, I was kind of happy. Now, I wore these shoes. wore tennis shoes. Right. Because, and I even have shin splints. We walked around a lot in those uneven roads. Ugh. Yeah, Aaron said it was like he walked 16 miles in two days. Yeah, he has the Fitbit on. So he kept track of that. I don't know. Especially on my late Saturday night, early Sunday morning adventure by myself, by the way. <laughs> I don't know how many damn miles I walked. But, uh... Yeah, it was um, it was enjoyable, and I got a like only a sixteen dollar clearance racket Belk, yeah. low cut dress.
0: Yeah, I saw that.
1: Yeah, I saw, and you let the hair down. But I did let the hair was down. down in the ponytail, and I didn't um, I didn't take a picture of this. But after an hour or two, after a big hurricane that I drank, I uh, took down the right or the left shoulder. Took down the left shoulder, tucked it into the dress itself, which had its own kind of built-in belt, so it stayed up fine. Yeah, and uh, it looked just like a toga. So I, I mean, I even had other guys wearing red togas, not dresses, from across the street. Toga, toga. <laughs> I had all sorts of strangers walking up and saying, "Hello, Jesus." And I, especially since I was feeling good at that point, going, "Bless you, my son." Nice. I just kept doing that. It was. An enjoyable time. And there's something about that city, I was telling you off air, uh, it makes you kind of want to dance with the devil. Yeah. Yeah. It uh, feels like I'm at a feast of Dionysus. Like just, and really, you go under. Especially the older I get, the less and less I enjoy doing that. Alcohol. Yeah. It, It makes me feel bad. And I fall asleep
0: easily. That's dude you can you can fall asleep anywhere. Yeah. It's, it's it's incredible.
1: It's not fun. Like and I think that makes the idea of, of drinking a lot even less fun than I, others might find it. Yeah. It's not so much the hangover the next day, that's not fun either, but you sleep and you know, if you don't have anything to do, it's fine, just sleep all day. But it's more I don't like my I lose myself. Especially in that city, it feels like you could easily lose yourself if you make one or two wrong turns. And, oh, there goes... Uh, that's a big change in life. Yeah. There goes your life completely. It's a weird place like that. And when we walked first into the French Quarter after getting set up in the hotel, I'm walking around, we're, we're only like a two blocks away from the French Quarter. So we're kind of getting into it. The smell of sewage. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's unique, funky smell. It, it- I will say it gets worse in August. Oh, like
0: it, it was as the months of partying pungent accrue. It it's worse in August than it would be in say June or, or May.
1: And so I'm and I'm completely sober at this point. Going, man, this place is kind of stinky. <laughs> what is all that? Oh my, that's a you need. Let me just waft that on. Oh no, I shouldn't have wafted. Yeah. Ooh, and but then put down two beers and I'm a little buzzed walking out, and all of a sudden the city made a lot of sense to me. Yeah. There's something about, like, you have to drink the the potion in order to, like, understand what's going on in this place. Mm-hmm. And it, it really is, a, it's a strange town. It's uh, the type of fun. Like I said, not only can you get lost, dance with the devil, it feels a little dangerous at times. But, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. And as I was sitting there, people watching at one point. I did have some kind of introspective moments. I was like, I'm going to stop drinking. And I just stood outside one of the bars and watched people walking down bourbon for about 20 minutes. And it hit me. It's like, Oh, you don't go down there and the devil gets you. It's like you get caught up in the fray and that the devil inside you gets you. That's what comes out. If you have the capacity for it.
0: Once you sort of put your finger on the pulse of the city. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like you shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Should not have done that. But, but I next question. Mm-hmm. I noticed there were fanny packs involved. I didn't have one. I yes, John and Andrew had them. Is this in lieu of say a purse or a? Yeah, they didn't a slip.
1: No, they didn't wear. Uh, I wore just standard gym shorts underneath my dress. Mm. So I just to get my wallet, pick up the dress, grab right. the wallet. They didn't wear uh, gym shorts. They wore like compression shorts or something. And so the fanny pack is, is a very pack. good utility. Yeah, it was, okay. and Andrew really put his to good use. He had it all organized. And by the way, I bought my dress at the same time as Andrew. For folks who don't know, my friend Andrew, my current one of my current roommates, he uh, he's bigger than I am. I'm about a buck sixty five, especially after the yoga workouts and all the push ups. I feel like I look pretty good these days, and uh, Andrew's probably the two hundred range. Um, a little more than that, maybe two twenty, um, and he's just a big guy anyway. Like even when he's like in great shape, like when he was a river raft guide, he's still a big guy. Yeah. So he decided to get the dress that was a zero X, and he gave me the one X dress. So he went with the smaller dress that was more form fitting. And then when he put the fanny pack on to accentuate his curves and that waistline, it was like. This is a weird time. The, the the low
0: cut of that dress in <laughs> on Andrew was... Oh, with the
1: chest hair. It was provocative. <laughs> it was. In, in a good way. Yeah, it was a great time. And that, that was actually the best part of it, was the red dress part. Because once you got there, as we were walking away from the hotel, people were like, hey, what are y'all doing? Like, they didn't know what was going on. Once you got to the area where there are thousands of people, men and women, in red dresses, it's like, oh, that's the uniform. Yeah. And so you don't even have to worry about what people are wearing, what everybody looks like. They just, you fit in. And you have fun. And so you get lost in the crowd. I had a blast. Uh, and then I looked at the news this morning. I'm just, sorry. Okay, I, I keep, keep going, going back to not, your I've got another question. I'm trying to sneak out of
0: this. Did you have a beignet? No, I did not. Ah, for shame.
1: Everybody tells me to go have a beignet. I like, I like donuts. Especially. It's not really a, It's kind of a donut. You and I used to make the donuts. It's a donut. It's more of a funnel cake. It's. Well, but it's dough that you fry. That's okay. That's a donut. Fair. Yeah. Fair. We didn't used to make beignets. No. But we used to make all the donuts. And I still really don't. That's why I don't want a beignet why I, didn't, I did not get one. Mm-hmm. Because I remember making all the donuts the cake donuts and original glaze, yep. tiger tails. You just spin them real quick. Yep. Yeah, not. It's it's ruined donuts for me. It has. Yeah, but I I looked at the news. Well, I read some going down there before the festivities. Uh, Turkey and Erdogan blaming the United States uh, for, for their the, for the crash of the lira. Yeah, for their currency problems. <laughs> okay, I, I sure, guys.
0: You know how I always somehow managed to drag soccer into this. Yeah. I have an interesting quote from the vice president of a Turkish soccer club who came out and blamed Trump rather than Erdogan. Obviously, he's trying not to go to prison here, but he said... Can I say the D word? No, okay. Well, he said... He's a Richard? No, 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 no. Uh, Rhymes with am. Oh, yeah, you can say damn. Oh, okay. He said, that damn Trump. He crashed the lira, and it caused their debt to go up by twenty five percent because the lira is backed. It's a currency that's backed by the United States, the the dollar. Yeah, and so when yeah. when the currency falls in relative to the dollar, your debt grows. Oh, so gosh. the debt of the club, the soccer club, and the Turkish, uh, I think it's the Super League, um, it increased by twenty five percent because the lira crashed. Wow! And so he was upset, and. He can't blame the Minister of Finance in Turkey because that's Erdogan's son-in-law. So he just, you know, as is, it seems common with a lot of the world nowadays, you blame it on the American president. And oh, yeah. Trump certainly is an easy target to
1: do that. Oh, well, yeah. Trump kind of brings it on himself, but he, that's part of his also, like, it's part of his madness and magic that, like, he likes the fight. He runs toward the fight.
0: His, some of the nicknames I've read from the left... Oh
1: bad. Hilarious. They get creative, man. And, you know, I'm going to be honest. I was I've been working here for now six years. And when Barack Obama was president, oh, just as much stuff like that, mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff. And I'm not even talking about policies. And it's just I'm on a different team than you. What creative ways could I come up with to talk about how I don't like you? I did it myself. My goodness, Cheeto Mussolini. <laughs> See, that was just silly to me. How could any? Why? I mean, how could you be offended by that one? That's just stupid. Like, <laughs> he's going to make the trains run on time. All right. Yeah. Oh goodness. And you know, it is in all seriousness worrisome to me uh, when people yell fascist. And I mean it from this perspective that I heard a lot of people on the right and myself included to some degree when Barack Obama's in power. I heard people on the left talk about it when George W. Bush was in power. The F word, the fascist word. And now it's back with people on the left yelling at Trump that he's a fascist. And either it's, as some people put out there, it's the new favorite insult in politics, or... There's something about when people are out of power and the other team's in power and the way the team in power operates that makes those without it, without power, go fascism. So either there's a big problem in the U.S. or it's just, you know, we're hypersensitive and just like to yell at people. Maybe a little of both.
0: As is sort of par for the course when it comes to something as truth, especially when there's two sides to each coin... It's probably a little bit of both, yeah.
1: Probably a little bit of both. Because, I mean, th- it is, I think, uncharitable. Because I think fascism was a fairly unique thing in the 20th century. I mean, especially like Mussolini talking about the, the greatness of, of Rome and Italy and how the national pride. It had its own unique cultural characteristics to it. Even Nazism isn't quite the fascism of, of Italy and Mussolini. And even in, like, Stalinism, which is technically communist, it's kind of run by the strongman dictatorial politics. So it it gets blurry, and so when you start throwing that word out, you're like, okay, do you mean that uh, Goebbels and other people in the Nazi regime really liked the economic programs FDR was throwing down? Because they're very similar. Now, FDR didn't, you know, he wasn't a raging anti-Semite. Who wanted to kill all the Jews? But no, that was Walt Disney. Yeah. <laughs> well, and uh, we sadly, did. Sadly, the
0: United States actually did a
1: once. Yeah. Once
0: we picked a side in that war, we did a really, really good job of quelling the people that agreed to that.
1: Oh, yeah. Agreed with the enemy, as well, it were. And I think actually having the Nazis as your uh, your number one enemy, the the epitome embodiment of all evil, uh, it helped squash out. I think. Scientific, systematic—well, not systematic as much, but scientific racism here in this country.
0: Well, the pseudoscience, like—yeah. Uh, well, I'm—I'm I'm sure in the 1940s, phrenology was already sort of a dead science, but those yeah. types of pseudosciences that
1: because eugenics really gets going here in the United States in the early 1900s, before yeah. the before the Nazis. So because and, the Nazis became the enemy, we got to be not like them. Eugenics, but was it in response to
0: social Darwinism?
1: Yeah, I mean, but then even you look at social Darwinism, and it's such a, it's crazy looking back at these old ideologies, because even social Darwinism is a huge perversion of Darwin. Right. And what Darwin actually taught, it's kind of taking a little bit of evolution and then really misapplying it to people. Yeah. And also, it always seemed to be pretty self-serving. Like, oh, of course, me and my folks are the best. It just played into what people have been saying beforehand. You mentioned the the throwing
0: around of the word fascist with regards to the people that are out of power.
1: Yeah, they throw it at the people in power.
0: Just hear me out on this idea. Okay. Maybe we shouldn't have a two-party system. Oh, I agree. More than two parties would encourage everybody that isn't in power to work together and find common ground, which... Outside of, say, terrorism, really seems to be a difficult thing to find in the two-party system as it currently is, because it's much easier to point fingers. I completely agree. So if you have more than two parties, and you say you end up with like a majority party in power, sort of like a lot of European parliaments... Yeah, I'm not saying we model ourselves after the EU. But
1: pretty much every other Western-style democracy, uh, Western republics model themselves in more of a parliamentary system, where you have multiple parties. Mm-hmm. And they have to build a coalition out of that. And I, I I agree, or I like going back to the founders saying, let's just not even have political parties. Like, And I guess they pop up organically, but they... ...warned against political parties because they knew what it would become. You take this system that's pretty durable and anti-fragile, and you're still really testing the limits of it. No system is perfect. And so it's it's what we've become. It's a partisan fight. And also, it goes beyond just the people directly working in the government or running for office... It goes to, like, well, the number one whipping boy of the president, and now Nancy Pelosi today, uh, the media. The big boogeyman, the media.
0: What they. Did, what, did, what did Nancy Pelosi do?
1: Oh, she's claiming that now, like, uh, you know, crazy eyes with the sexy name, Nancy, uh, Alexandria Nancy Ocasio-Cortez. Oh, her, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't find her sexy. I find her name very, very sexy, though. Right, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. You said crazy eyes. I thought Nancy Pelosi. Well, they both have crazy eyes.
0: Was it Dennis Miller that said that Nancy Pelosi sleeps in a cocoon of her own wings?
1: Yeah, upside down. Accurate. In a cocoon of her own wings. Yeah, but apparently she just had some work done.
0: No, again. God forbid Trump comments on that like he did with that one lady. Oh, <laughs> <dumbie>. Mika Brzezinski.
1: <laughs> yeah, she was bleeding from her face. <laughs> I know it's wrong to giggle at that. I guess that makes me a sexist, but I think that's just hilarious. Even if it's not true, it's it's kind of like, all right, they're going to throw stuff at Trump. He's going to throw it back. But no, Nancy Pelosi came out and said, it's the media who uh, is helping people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez try to unseat me. There's something like 50 Democrats and most of them who win will win seats in the House. Because there's always this pendulum swing when it's... It's going to flip. Oh, yeah. It's going to flip. Huge. You think Democrats are going to win the House? It's going to flip. Okay. They might. I don't know. I honestly don't know. They might. Yeah. I haven't looked at the generic ballot question in about a week or two. It all comes down to uh, flip. local races. It, as much as we look for trends and like these special elections that have gone on, uh, I think it comes down to what's happening locally. It's like with... If, uh, it,
0: if it doesn't flip... Charlottesville this past weekend is going to look like a tiny parade. Well, that's
1: it's going it's to get worse. I hope it doesn't, but I think you have a point. Uh, well, and to Charlottesville, when the first incident or this past year well, or this past, past year thing. when the first one happened, I wrote a piece that got you know some play online, and it's because I pissed everybody off. Everybody who's, you know, of course, aware of what's going on in this country and reads the news on the left and the right, I made them so mad. Because essentially the long and short of my piece was that a few hundred people got into a stupid fight over the weekend. Well, millions of Americans went, you know, enjoyed their lives in their weekend. They went shopping. They went to sporting events. They had a barbecue with the family. And some might have even at that barbecue argued over politics a little bit, but most Americans, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, aren't getting into these stupid fights. Certainly not violent. And so why do we always seem to go to the most violent event to symbolize that this is what the nation is going through? I'm like I'm sorry, Antifa or Antifa and the alt-right uh, do not represent most Americans. They no. don't even get close. No. So why are we giving them a platform, other than it comes back to my point of the partisan system, the media gets views and gets people
0: talking about this. Well, it's I, it's a lot easier to get someone's opinion on a act of violence mm. than it is to get their opinion on an argument. True. But, you know, that's also part and parcel of what was it, ever since O.J. Simpson's um, running from the police when we started transitioning to the 24-hour news cycle? Yeah,
1: yeah. Don't do it, Juice. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. He's in the bright, he's in the white Bronco. Mm-hmm. I went back and I've watched some of that, and we were just kids when that happened. Yeah. That's still astounding. Like, that he didn't get hurt. Well, I, I mean, he's a huge celebrity. They're not going to do anything. But it's just how crazy that whole story is, but I think you're right. To your point, that's part of when the 24-hour news cycle is really getting going. And now that we've sort of decentralized
0: the news in the sense that, you know, we still have MSNBC, Fox, CNN. Then the legacy, like NBC, ABC, CBS. Right. But now we have blogs. Mm, And we have, I'll call it, content sp- specific content aggregators like say salon.com yeah. or uh free thought project or i, I actually i can't think of any anti
1: media.com i've re- that's where i've written for they and uh, zero hedge that's an aggregator um, drudge drudge is an aggregator more of a right wing persuasion obviously
0: yeah so th- the people that are going to these sites are going because they like that yeah the couture value of the content that they will get from that site. It's very specific or at least relatively specific when it comes to partisan issues. And it allows things to be amplified in a way with social media that at least in the late, early part of the twentieth and now the twenty first century, we didn't have before. True. Um And so you have I'm not saying two wrongs make a right, but you've got two different things that are fueling this unrest. I'll call it unrest.
1: Oh. Oh, and it gets so bad that, say, a site like Drudge, everybody visits for the most part because it's not just, oh, people who tend to agree with Matt Drudge visit that site. People on the right or supporting Trump visit that site. It's so powerful that now everybody has to check it. Yeah. The networks and the news networks have to, and net newspapers have to check Drudge because he might very well break something. That's, Remember, it's how the he, same
0: with TMZ. Actually, yeah. I don't read TMZ at all, but when they come out with a sports report, yeah. I <coughs> guarantee you they will have footage that nobody else has.
1: Exactly. And so Drudge made his name by the uh, the whole Monica Lewinsky affair. He broke that before other people, um, and he's. It's amazing that that. Uh, just how it looks. It's just a white page with links, yeah, and catchy it's, headlines it's it's certainly not a pretty site, yeah, and but it's a, it's a genius format, mm-hmm. very little overhead. He's getting a lot of money. He's also a kingmaker now because for instance, Breitbart, who that's a very right wing populist site. Breitbart wouldn't be where they are today, I think, without Drudge linking to them so much. And saying, these are the guys, if you are a Trump populist, listen to Breitbart. Um, also, like AOL and Huffington Post. That's one that's jumping up. But I think the really interesting action is happening on the left. Because Trump has consolidated right-wing support behind them. There's still 10-12% of people who are like, I don't really like... Come on, Donald, you could do better. But on the left, no, and that's, I mean, people who identify as Republican, it's like 88% approval, 90% approval. Whereas before, you know, when we didn't have a Republican president, there was a Tea Party fighting the establishment. Trump's still kind of fighting the establishment, but he's kind of made it his party, is my point. Whereas now, because the Democrats are out of power, there's this big fight over the soul of the Democratic Party, if you will. And I think the ones who are getting the most press are the so-called socialists, democratic socialists. I'm not sure what they mean by that. Do you just mean a big welfare state, or do you actually want to go socialist? I, I, see, I just consider them to
0: be part of Sanders' retinue.
1: Yes. But I think actually what you'll see, especially if the Democrats take the House, will be fairly middle-of-the-road Democrats who want to get rid of Nancy Pelosi— who aren't gonna be bomb throwers. It depends on what part of the country too. We forget because the news is so nationalized. Yeah. Like if you're a Democrat in Ohio or a Democrat here in Alabama, like you kind of have to play along with what your local population wants. Yeah, you definitely see that with uh Doug. Oh Doug Jones. Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't mind him. Nope. I don't like, always and again, you gotta be careful what you say. I'm not careful it doesn't mean I agree with him on everything. No. But, like, all right, Doug. I keep saying to Senator Jones, let your freak flag fly, man. Yeah, he's playing it safe. Don't run for re-election. Just go up there and have fun. Like, do what you want. Get it done. Don't always do what the Democratic Party Whatever wants you to do it is, just get it done. Well, the problem is they kind of helped him. The outside National Democratic Party really helped Doug Jones, and then so Roy Moore <laughs> imploded well yeah I mean Roy, Roy Moore didn't help himself well and also when you have uh, he sort of in a way when you
0: have uh, twenty years ago,
1: yeah he helped himself <laughs> and, then, and
0: that bit him mm-hmm. in the butt yeah, yeah. Gary, so so you're suggesting that Doug feels beholden
1: to oh, the yeah. Democratic
0: Party or is it rather that the Democratic Party is saying, we're going to pull all your re-election funding if you don't go along with
1: this? That's what I mean by he's... Back. Oh, okay. Fast it's to. a little of both. And uh, we'll see if he can win. But it's also, not only did National Democrats help him get elected, uh, when you have the Republican-sitting senator, longest-running, longest-sitting senator, Richard Shelby, saying, "Yeah, I probably would write somebody else in, that's a problem. Um... Roy Moore. And, and I don't
0: I don't blame him for saying that. I don't either. You look at Roy Moore and his history of things and I'm sure there's a ton of people that agree with the things that he's done.
1: Sure. I'm not one of them. He In got fact, reelected to be after being kicked off the Supreme Court, he got put back on there. People of Alabama, at least on a local level, like them some Roy Moore. Yeah. Then there are a lot of people who don't. He's a very polarizing figure.
0: Yeah. Well, when you want to put the Ten Commandments in in there, it's like, what? Come on. Why?
1: Well, and it's not like it's a plaque on the wall, which probably would have been fine. Yeah. I think that's already in a bunch of courthouses. It's a giant monument. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, okay. You're just, you're, I, the point is he's uh he was a warrior. He kind of was a cultural warrior and thus how polarizing he is. He's one of those guys, though, that, because I would write for these sites like Anti-Media, based in Los Angeles. And so they would run things on Roy Moore, or they would, in the writers group, talk about Roy Moore, and because they're not removed. I've never met him. I've met him like three, four times now. You would never think, if you didn't know who the man was, and you just sat and talked to him, and maybe religion doesn't come up, he's like very charming, personable, interesting guy. It's, and then... The big issues come up. You're like, "Oh, where did that come from?" Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily just these allegations that got brought against him. It was the way he and his team reacted to those allegations and how clumsy that was done, and also some of the defense started to become like, "Well, that's how things used to be." Maybe it was. But apparently it's, you know, 2017, it's 2018, which means you might very well be, excuse me, pardon me, crucified. That might be a little over the top, but crucified for uh, things you did in your past, even 30, 40 years ago.
0: Not uh, Literally, though, we saved that for our neighbors in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Who, I don't know if you caught this, but this past weekend, they actually literally crucified a guy. For what? That I'm not sure. And, it, okay, not, he, they didn't nail him to a cross, Uh, He was, like, flayed, and then they tied his arms to a cross while he slowly died. That kind of
1: thing. It's just that part of the world baffles me. Because I think there is a younger generation who has access to modern media. They're down with what the new king wants to do. Or the crown prince wants to do. But then, like, the women driving thing. Like, they legalize it, and now they're just, like, angry mobs of men. How dare you drive? Like, there is cultural backlash outside of the government. And, yes, there is still just horrific capital punishment.
0: It is, yeah. It was, uh, they beheaded a man Wednesday in Mecca for allegedly stabbing a woman to death. Well. The method of punishment is known as crucifixion. It's reserved for the most severe crimes. The suspect is accused of breaking into the home of a Burmese woman repeating repeatedly stabbing her until she died
1: about 200 years of cultural difference is the difference between what Saudi Arabia is doing and uh, what the west would tolerate well i it's just
0: public i, I would imagine it's these sort of it's hard to transition from and you see this a lot in afghanistan the sort of tribal court system they have mm. I, I, I and india as well i imagine they have a hard time transitioning from that to An actual, uh, not an actual justice, but a a more Western
1: justice system.
0: We'll call it that. Because, I mean, that's literally a justice system they have. It's just
1: done much differently. Oh, yeah. Much, much differently. And and even being, like, in... Culture's very... uh, Well, that's a deep thought, Joey. Culture's very important. (laughs) (laughs) No, but, like, my experience in New Orleans, it was... Like wow, just a little bit of different cultural influences and this place is like Mm -hmm. the debauchery playground of the United States. And much more Catholic in like its influence. You can
0: And and macabre as well, but Oh yeah. But only relative to geography, because they're below sea level. So they have to bury people above
1: ground. Well that was a sorry. Correct and intense point. Well, it's that's. It's no, I see your point. It's not.
0: It's only in it's t- mostly
1: topography
0: South America where you see, like in Bolivia, you see a lot of people buried above ground in almost mausoleum type things.
1: Well, and you do have like the Day of the Dead festivals down there. Yeah, yeah,
0: Dia de los Muertos in Mexico, but really? in in New Orleans, when you're walking around and you're like, oh, that's a cemetery. Oh, that's mm. that's a, that's different than most cemeteries. Okay,
1: yeah,
0: it's just more
1: macabre. It is. It was a weird place, and so you have even those differences under the same legal framework called the United States. we got a long way to come when it to uh, dealing with the Middle East and Central Asia. Yeah. And I'm not the type that says, oh, we got to go there and change them. Just kind of hope to influence them. Say, this is a better way. Because, hell, we still put people in the chair. Still kill people with chemicals. Mm-hmm. Man, this is reminding me of my late Saturday night, dark-eyed Cajun woman, old Doobie Brothers. I like naked women too much. Oh, I've said too much already. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Be right back after this. You never get away.
0: Joey Clark.
1: And I'm going to talk about it because it really uh, sums up how I feel, especially about uh, politics and the community. Like, thank you for your service, these sort of things. It, it's just a, like, uh, it's nine pictures here. And on each picture it says the words, thank you for your service to the community. But the first picture is thank and it's a woman who's well. It looks like a street walking cheetah leading into a car. You. And let's see who that is. Oh, that looks like it's a it's a drug dealer. See, even professions you wouldn't think we need to thank these people. If you're traditional. Four. Oh, that looks like it's a, a waitress. Your. Oh, uh, it looks like a guy who's cutting somebody's hair. Oh, in the center, it's the U.S. congressman. Says not you. <laughs> There's also, um, looks like it's a dance, a, a stripper, thank you, to the community. So then there's like a dairy farmer, a lemonade stand, and um, somebody who grows vegetables selling them on the roadside at a farmer's market. Now, you wouldn't think, you know, let's put street walking cheetahs and little kid lemonade stands together. But I think the general point is, like, anybody who provides a service people want and that people voluntarily pay for, thank you. Congress, no. Go away. Yeah. Because th- I can't think of any other job where people are so hypersensitive about how they're perceived and so full of themselves. Um, I'm trying to... Th- well, maybe... Silicon Valley. Well, maybe talk radio host, too. Well, yeah, that might be more of an ego thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that I guess that's part of the full of themselves. Yeah, that's what I mean. Well, Silicon Valley, yeah. Oh, this is dangerous. Oh, I just had a thought. A profession that's kind of full of themselves, because there are a lot that do this job well, and they're vital to the community. Do not get me wrong. Sometimes when I see stuff about teachers, I get a little like, "Okay, y'all are kind of full of yourselves." Yeah. It's like, all right, it's job. It's a tough job. I don't want to do it. But when I'm not talking about individual teachers, but teacher memes, I don't like them. No, but, like, when they speak in the totality of teachers are the greatest thing ever, I'm like, yeah, I've known a few teachers that I had. They weren't the greatest. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: I, I'm, you know what would be worse than that, though? Is including administrators in that. Hmm. Yes. Because I think, bar none, the administrators are worse than the teachers. Oh, yeah. Particularly since they implement policy. Yes. Like a zero-tolerance policy. That's asinine.
1: Right. It is asinine. It leaves no room for, well, actually you got beat having up, nuance.
0: You got beat up by your bully? Congratulations, you must have egged him on, so you're going to get suspended the same amount of
1: time as well, him. so what? Wrong. That's so messed up. You, no, no wonder bullies still exist. Yeah. When you don't actually look into a case and figure out what's the true right and wrong here, what are the circumstances, you're going to have more of that crap. hmm But yeah, other professions... Surgeons perhaps don't
0: care how much about how they're perceived, but they are pretty at least in the media it seems that surgeons come across as equal parts. I'm doing this because I genuinely want to help you. Sure. And also I'm doing this because I'm great.
1: See, you mentioned like Silicon Valley, like the latest technology, brilliant minds working out there. Surgeons too. I, I know what you're talking about, and I agree. But, like, say politicians. Like, it's, you won a popularity contest, yeah. and you're really good at BS and twisting words, and usually you're a lawyer is pretty good with the legal arguments, as opposed to a guy who can, like, fix my heart? Or, like, a brain surgeon? It's true. It's, it's I mean, they have a reason to be a bit arrogant especially, and impressed with themselves.
0: Especially if... Like Or even if the 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 heart surgeon is like, I guess it would be a cardiothoracic surgeon or something, yeah. is like, look, I really don't care about you. I'm doing this because no one else would take your case, and I'm really good at it, so that's what I'm going to do. It would be like, well, that was a little rude, but thanks.
1: Yeah, it's like, thank you for fixing me <laughs> nonetheless. I'm alive, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, Well, and also, I guess sometimes you don't want them to be too um, too caught up in the emotion of it. Like, yeah. that's why they won't let people do surgery on family members, these sort of things.
0: It it would, you know, you, you don't want it to rip them up, yeah. so to speak. That was... That was... Sorry. That's a good pun. You you don't want it to eat them up inside.
1: Right. Right. Well, and also these guys doing some of the new technologies. I don't know. Silicon Valley. Some impressive people. And sometimes they're not. I There's this one chick I follow on Instagram. I think I found her on through libertarian circles. Mm-hmm. And she moved to San Francisco, and she does posts where she constantly, it's two photos, it's like, is this a Silicon Valley millionaire or homeless guy? <laughs> and they all dress the same, the homeless guy or the millionaire. They yeah. all look a little shoddy. Uh, they're, uh, just,
0: you know, maybe it's because we live in Alabama, they just seem incredibly out of touch. I remember for a while it hmm. was a fad to buy something called raw water.
1: So Water? it was branded as raw, so it's unfiltered just wait so almost like catch
0: water like rain water like sounds dangerous yeah out of touch like like that.
1: raw like spring water okay it, well it's not like sewage water. it's oh, like Okay, good
0: it's like rainwater yeah, not filtered or anything. And it was good for you. Quote unquote good for you. But basically, it was just some snake oil salesman who was collecting this random water and being like, here's a
1: bottle for 10 bucks. Some of these trends crack me up. Yeah. They really do. And it's one thing if it's like something that's new and trendy, but oh, it actually has results for you. Maybe there's a placebo effect with the raw water. (laughs) Probably not. It just seems so asinine. It really does. Well, and I think they are a little bit out of touch. I think there's that's a big thing that's happened um, the last few years, is the sort of elite media types and elite circles of industry. They sort of lost control, not of the culture, they're still pretty powerful in terms of their influence, but of the political system with Trump. I think that's the one thing I enjoy about Trump, is he brought sort of the... He brought the t m z and the world wrestling entertainment and yeah. sort of the the circus every man uh point of view back to Paul as much as he's a billionaire he has that sort of sensibility to him and I'm not talking about that stuff as like it's bad I'm of it that I watch a lot of wrestling I like that mentality I think it's in a way uh, it can be a bit more honest um not as refined, but more honest. And I, here's the, my caveat to that, is that I don't think the Trumps of the world should get too full of themselves either. That now ours is the culture. We've completely taken our country back. I'm just saying, guys, anytime you start thinking that way, that it's a sure thing that we've won, then another election comes along. Yes. Just as much as people were shocked when Trump was elected prepare yourself for another shock yeah pretty much how I'm girding my loins well there's also
0: you know if you're you're talking about the wrestling culture and oh yeah, yeah. so and as much as Trump sort of brings that sort of differentness to Washington how much of it is him believing his own BS though because I'm going to provide a situation I think this happened in wrestling okay Guy gets thrown out of a window by another guy. All right. The guy from henceforth, I'll just call him Mr. Defenestration because he was defenestrated, kicked out of a window. He says that the other guy was rude to him and threw him out the window
1: mm-hmm.
0: or kicked him, whatever. The defenestrator, the guy that
1: threw him out the window or him kicked out, him.
0: Yeah. yeah. He says he jumped out of the window to get away from him because he was scared of him. If this whole thing is caught on camera and you see the guy throwing him out the window, sure. But then you have the guy that's throwing him out the window with his his new uh, alternative fact. <laughs> <laughs> when you clearly see, okay, this is what happened, but the guy comes out. He's like, no, no, he was
1: scared of me. He he threw
0: himself out oh, the window.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. There is uh, gaslighting is a thing, and yes, I think Trump. I, I think Trump does it to a certain point where. He really does, as you put it, believe his own BS, or he believes his own version of events. He genuinely believes it. And that's why I don't think they wanted to have an interview with Mueller, because it's like, uh-oh. Like, he's not going to think he's lying. He's going to say something, yeah. and Mueller's going to be like, well, that wasn't the case from all my research, but Trump didn't do all the research. He's... This is what I think. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think a lot of that goes on. Why well, you have to be... Uh, you have to be pretty careful, but I mean, I thought you were going to do like a wrestling story. Where uh, I heard one about Jim Cornette. He, I think is from Kentucky. He, he's, he's also ultra progressive, like liberal. That's what I learned about him recently. He's a part of this wrestling world, and as a promoter, as a manager, on-screen personality, he's known for cutting promos not only in the ring and on television, but like somebody got his order wrong. At like a fast food window, and he's just going to, like, curse this woman out. Um, there's, and he's really fun to get, like, riled up. Because he's kind of uh, just a hillbilly. And so they had two wrestlers that were going to do a backstage fight. And the idea was we'll, you know, do a flip or a bump onto the back trunk of the car. It might dent the car trunk. We'll pay for it. Something goes a little bit wrong, and the guy lands on like the back windshield perfectly and shatters it. And things get more and more carried away. The car is just shot to hell, dents in it, windows smashed. And so they're like, Whose car is this? Who did we do this to? They're like, Oh crap, that's Corny's car. What in the world? What are y'all doing? And so they're like, Oh, but I know how we'll play this. So they bring. Jim Cornette into his office, I think Vince McMahon does, and uh, start showing him the tape of the backstage fight. He's like, oh, this is great. This is great. And the windshield smash. Oh, this is great. Wait! Whose car? Is that my car? (laughs) That's my car! No! No! Then I went to go try to get... And he's like, I couldn't lock my car and the damn people up north, you Yankees, don't even have drive-thrus. And I couldn't leave my car in the parking lot because who knows what crime's going on in this godforsaken place. He's dropping a lot more uh, four-letter words than I'm allowed to do on FCC radio. He's just one of those guys. I think he had a pet rat. And he really, when the rat died, it was like the worst thing in the world to him. I mean, he's just, and this is the part of, this is what I mean by wrestling culture. It's not like you're a refined person who comes from old money from the Northeast. Or even old money from the South. It's guys who are usually self-made, who are a bit eccentric, and because of their hard work and just, I, I think the eccentricity plays into them being successful in the wrestling business, that's rewarded to a certain extent, they, they have a little bit of power, and I like those stories a lot better than, you know, it's fun to wine and dine with the rich crowd, I'm sure it's a lot of fun, with the elite. I I'm not the type of person who go, Oh, I would never I don't turn my nose up at them for being the rich or being the elite. No. But uh I think I feel more at home with a Jim Cornette than I would with, say, the Bush family or the Clintons. Yeah. Though Bill's got that quality to
0: him too. He's really charming.
1: Yeah, he's charming. But I just I feel more at home on the uh on the bottom floor, not the the 50th floor of the office. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. I don't want to be with the business suits and executives. I might have to talk to them occasionally, but I like just hanging out with people mm-hmm. and hearing unique, interesting, crazy-ass stories. And uh, I think that's what actually has my mind and why I'm so hooked on wrestling. And then, you know, sometimes I look at politics now, like the Omarosa thing or Osaboso, as I was calling her earlier today. Oh, isn't that a... uh yeah, it's a beef dish. I believe. Yeah, yeah, asabuco, asabuco. Yes, asabuco. Uh, taping Trump and like I was, no, was. Not only did she do that, she taped a general, a general in, in the a, Situation Room. That's well, why isn't she in jail? And the way she was talking about it, I went and listened to the tape and went. John Kelly handled that perfectly professionally. Like you got fired, and apparently now she said something to the effect of. Oh, Trump's, I was complicit. Then Trump said the N-word once, but then the people she references is like, she hadn't heard it herself, but the people she references are all like, no, I didn't say that to her. It's just a money grab, and it's going to work. She's going to make a lot of money. But I see stuff like that and go, oh, that's the headline today. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm allowed to play you sexy thing and talk about my visit to New Orleans and Jim Cornette's dead rat.
0: How is that not 100% against the law? That's what I'm... In wondering. the situation room like that?